Game on Wisconsin is brought to you by Artec Ventures. The goal at Artec Ventures is to collaborate closely with founders throughout all the investment and fundraising stages, turning their visions into successful companies. Since 2020, Artec Ventures has helped turn great ideas into profitable businesses that make an impact on industries, communities, and beyond. Visit artecventures.com for more info. <laughs> News dump. News dump, yay! News dump. I mean, that's kind of a loaded question. It's a landslide! It's the final dump, presented by Game On Wisconsin. Welcome to the Divisional Round edition of the Final Dump, presented to you by Game on Wisconsin. Brendan Dorzinski and Matt Freilich here with you. It is finally a return to game week. Last week, we were just talking about how nice it was to have a bye, have a weekend without any game-related anxiety, as much as the 49ers and Cowboys tried to give everyone anxiety, even if they didn't have a rooting interest in the game. But it is finally game week, playoff game week, for the Green Bay Packers, and they will be taking on, and for a a certain generation this is the rivalry you have wanted to see rekindled for some time and for those of us who are just not quite over 2019 maybe not the opponent you wanted to see this year green bay packers san francisco 49ers saturday night from a cold windy nasty lambo field and matt to a degree if you are going to just be living in green bay maybe not the most pleasant weekend but against a California team, a quarterback with a bad hand, a team that maybe isn't used to conditions this poor. This feels like the exact kind of game you want the Packers to be playing this stage of the year and the exact reason why you wanted to make sure you got that home field advantage throughout the playoffs. 100%, 100%. And you you talk about like, you know, maybe the the rivalry that was in the early 90s and even some of those Harbaugh, Kaepernick, Alden Smith, you know, Frank Gore days, not as much anymore, but you know, the Niners are still a viable team and definitely doing it a different brand than they have in the past with coach Shanahan and the, that run game and that defense that continues to still be pretty damn good for them over the course of the last decade or so. But, and even after that rivalry kind of lost itself in the nineties, uh, to be honest, the, the Packers home field advantage mystique has been kind of gone since Mike Vick ever took that out from Atlanta on that awful, awful playoff game. And it, you know, the Packers are still a hell of a football team at home. In the playoffs, not as much as they once were, but you bring in a team from California, the guy that's got a busted up shoulder, bad throwing shoulder, bad thumb on his throwing hand, like that's a recipe for disaster. And like, as you were setting it up a little bit, Brendan, I'm thinking about last year, right? Like divisional team from the West Coast comes in, quarterback that's out, banged up team on the defensive side of the ball. And we know how the outcome was. Um, I would say having been at that divisional game, I think the weather's going to be worse on saturday than it was last year but regardless a similar situation banged up team coming from the west coast and trying to take on the packers and uh, the frozen tundra i was eight years old when that stupid godforsaken falcons game happened at lambeau field in that year's playoffs yeah. and i remember it was on abc yep. and i was so excited because i had remembered all week all the talk about how the Packers never lost at home in the playoffs. And I was naive and thought I could never possibly be hurt by my favorite sports team. And then they ripped my heart out. So thank you for bringing back those memories that I'm sure I am not alone in dreading and regretting ever having experienced. But hopefully this divisional round goes a whole lot better than that fateful uh, January day at Lambeau Field did all those many years ago. Damn near 
20 years ago at this point. Mm -hmm. We'll get to plenty of game breakdown here. The matchup with the 49ers offense versus defense, Packers 49ers, and vice versa. But let's start, as we often do, with the injury front. And it is almost universally good news for the Packers this week. And that is incredibly exciting. David Bakhtiari limited in practice midway through the week. It sounds, at least to me, and Matt LaFleur not really interested in giving too many details, but it sounds like Bakhtiari is going to be able to go. Looks like Jair will be able to go. Is it Darius Smith, Whitney Merciless, who we talked about last week? That is absolutely awesome that those guys are all going to come back. The only downside to the injury report this week, at least from the Packers' perspective, MVS banged up, not able to go earlier this week. I mean, even if he was able to get healthy enough to play in the game, I don't know how effective he is going to be. Although you pointed it out to me, Matt, before we started recording today, that he's not been the most productive player for this offense in the last few weeks anyway. So I don't know how much that's actually going to change what this offense looks like, but it is encouraging that we actually have all of this good injury news, so much positivity on the injury front, which we have had very few times throughout the year. And like we said last week, the expectations probably low for a lot of these guys. I'm not expecting Randall Cobb to go make nine catches for a hundred yards, score a touchdown. I'm not expecting 10 tackles, a sack and a half and three TFLs from Zadarius Smith, but can they give you anything on a pitch count? Are they able to give you something? And I know Matt LaFleur, not the biggest snap count pitch count guy, but if they're able to contribute anything on top of a team that's already been performing at a huge level, the momentum in my eyes anyway, certainly favors the Packers going into this weekend. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the only thing, like you said, is MVS with that back right now. He was he practiced uh, in limited capacity on Tuesday, on Wednesday, did not practice. I imagine he tweaked that back. They're kind of just resting him. We'll see how that progresses through the week. You know, I don't want to rag on MVS all that much. I mean, he's a good dude, friend of a game on Wisconsin. But, you know, at the end of the day, like, he's just – my expectation, there, there's those games, right? He has that game against the Vikings, and he goes for a buck 23, that big touchdown. And, you know, even the, the Ravens game recently hit a nice game, but like he's just so inconsistent. And I think it's just the way they use him. I don't expect him ever to be an absolute stud, a possession guy, because they have those guys across the board and they don't really need to rely on him as a deep threat dude. And frankly, instead of throwing the ball deep on, you know, him running a nine route, you'd rather throw a 20, 25 yard, you know, back shoulder fade or a post route or a corner route or something or like a stop route to Devonte adams or you know get someone in space and mvs i think will contribute at some point throughout these playoffs i would assume i don't know what capacity he'll he'll have to do something but you know he's due i mean frankly if you look at his statistics and what he's done this this year he's probably due for a game assuming that backs in a good position you mentioned you know what production you're going to get and i think it's just yeah, I think we kind of talked about that last week, like cobble it together a little bit, right? Like between Whitney Merciless and Zadarius, you can get some pressures that way. Or this week with, uh, you know, a, a limited MVS and a Randall Cobb, figure it out. Like this is the ultimate team sport. Like figure out if you can get some production collectively from a few guys and don't have to think, or, you know, especially Randall Cobb. Like don't think you have to come back and be Randall Cobb of old or even this Randall Cobb that's been really, really effective this year with with Rodgers when plays break down and just kind of that spark plug dude. Like, don't think you have to go above your skis and prove something in a divisional game where it's like collectively this team's really damn good. We got players around them. Let, let them make plays. So nice. I mean, it, it shouldn't be any shock that 
the the uh, injury report is so low. Uh, frankly, they didn't do anything last week, so the fact that MVS did pop up is somewhat of a concern. It's like, what the hell happened? Like, if you're dealing with a back injury, you're limited last week, yesterday, or being on Tuesday, I should say, and all of a sudden Wednesday, you're in a bad spot. Well, that that is somewhat concerned, but overall, nothing too nothing too crazy. You see the the Mercedes Lewis big dog getting that veteran rest. You love to see that. That's always just great. Like he just deserves it. And then Bakhtiari, like you mentioned. You're not going to get much from from Matt Lafleur. Like he's, he's a tough guy to read. You got to think though the way the um, week 18 went versus the Lions, the way the Bach handled himself, and uh, there would be nothing at this point. There'd have to be a major setback for him to not be able to contribute. And Jair still trending in that right direction. We haven't really heard all that much. It seems like it's going to be a go. I think that is the biggest question mark for me on this injury report, and we can talk even more at length. Of, like I, I just. You do, it's it's one of those things where it's like it's a shoulder right like and it's it's that's a big part of being a football player is being able to put your shoulder down and blow up a screen pass or you know jump up for a ball and maybe you land on it or I don't know defend the run game that the the Niners are really really damn good at or you know defend one of those guys getting on the edge in that zone blocking scheme that's the biggest thing for me with Jair so that's going to be going into the game I'm probably for the first couple series going to be see how he's uh how he impacts the game and I think everyone collectively whether you're at the game watching on TV that first time Jair goes up for a batted ball has some sort of collision with someone is in the run game I mean we're all going to be holding our breath and see how he pops up and Based off of how Jair handles himself, yeah, I think he would have to be in some serious pain not to get up and have some energy and have some swagger because it seems like at any point he's living his best life no matter what. So that's the other guy I'm looking at, but we will no one's going to know until come Saturday night how he actually feels. Yeah, we won't know what these guys will actually be able to contribute, but that's an especially good point about Jair because he does play a very physical brand of football. Yeah. I mean, we know one of his signature moves is blowing up those tunnel screens. We know he likes to mix it up, and he will put his shoulder down and try to hit someone at full speed. So that's a good point. I mean, can he trust his own body to make those plays? Will he put too much trust in it? And I would imagine, given what we know about the Packers training staff and the Packers medical staff, they're not putting these guys out there if they don't know that they're going to be okay. So maybe it does just come down to more, can you trust your own body? And that's also where you have to ask, and you sort of brought this up, you don't have to go out and be a hero. You need to be a competent addition to a team that is already playing really well. Because if all of a sudden Jair Alexander goes out there, but he can't trust his physicality and he's ending up letting guys blow by him and he's whiffing on tackles where he's not being physical enough. Well, all of a sudden that's a detriment to the team. And I'm not saying that as an example of what I think is going to happen. I'm just saying you have to be able to make sure you can get the most out of your current physical capabilities, because if you can't and you're still going out there on the field and you're Jair Alexander playing like Isaac Yadam, all of a sudden you're in a much worse spot than where we were when it was just King and Sullivan and Stokes as the outside corners. Again, just as an example in that regard. The only question now really becomes who is gone to make room for these guys coming off of injured reserve? Assuming that Randall Cobb, Zadarius Smith, and Whitney Merciless are all activated after releasing Kingsley Kiki on Wednesday, which seemed to be a surprise to a lot of people this week. And it was surprising to me too. I don't know what your initial reaction to it was, Matt, but at the same time, I realized, man, I haven't heard Kingsley Kiki's name called in a while. And then I thought, oh, well, he had COVID. Oh, and he was a healthy scratch on Christmas Day. So maybe that's why it was maybe a personal thing. I don't know. Again, something that the Packers have been very much mum on. Maybe they just thought his performance wasn't worth the roster spot with all these guys coming back. So they get rid of him. They cut him. 
one roster spot open, two still have to go to make room for all three of these guys, again, assuming that they are on the roster. I would have to imagine there's a couple fairly easy ones. I mean, I think Jawan Winfrey is probably your number one guy who's going to go. I assume you'll add him back to the practice squad if you can. I don't know if the rules change with adding guys to the practice squad in the postseason. I don't believe they do, but I would imagine he'll come back, be a practice squad guy. He's probably gone to make room for Cobb. After that, maybe Tipanaliai is gone to make room for one of the extra edge rushers that's coming in. Can't imagine you would go with another one of your interior defensive linemen, considering you just cut Kingsley Kiki, but I would imagine really whoever you're cutting at this point, you probably weren't relying on to be a major contributor anyway. Yeah. You're not going to get much from them. Honestly, like to get back to the Kingsley Kiki thing, don't really know. I mean, we won't really know for a while just because the Packers do hold their cards really close to their chest. The weird thing is like, to me is, you know, you're coming off of COVID and my assumption when they said just the designation for illness was like, maybe it was a COVID complication, like where he was just still not in a great state cardiovascularly or whatever. And we've seen that for many guys throughout this year, um, have issues like that. And that's kind of what I chalked it up to two weeks in a row, kind of strange. You feel like that being, have that illness twice on even after having being out for COVID was also bizarre. I think by itself, if this is week five, six, seven, not that big of a deal. Timing's really freaking weird, man. I mean, you're you're going into the playoffs, and you got to go against a team that's probably number one, if not the number two best running team left in this entire bracket of eight teams. I would say I would put up the you know the Titans up there, the Niners, and obviously the Packers can fit in there too. I just think it's kind of bizarre if your your biggest weakness you're letting go a player that has been contributed a little bit. There's a lot probably going on behind the scenes we don't know about. Obviously health has been a factor. So strange. We'll see what, we'll see what comes of it. I'm sure we'll know more. Maybe even this weekend, there'll be some more reports that come out. Those, those things seem to kind of trickle right before the game starts, maybe a couple hours before, because uh, they're waiting, right? They're, they're, they're digging and they're, they're clawing and scratching. So we'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, unfortunately that he's gone. He contributed a little bit this year. He actually had, was having a halfway decent year when I had kind of, Wrote him off, wrote him off um, before the season started. So, but all in all, the Packers, one of their biggest weaknesses going into this offseason, even to this game, is now just even more so that they need another interior dude to come up next to Kenny Clark, depending what happens with, uh, with Slayton. That could impact it and the future of Lancaster and Lowry, too. But yeah, unfortunately, he's gone. Someone's got to fill that role at some point. I imagine Slayton will be that guy. There's a couple guys in the practice squad there looking at, I think it's McIntosh and, uh, Abdullah or something like that so maybe they'll get some snaps at some point or at least some more potential to get activated but I I don't I I can't see like you said not activating any of these other guys um, that they need in there so I don't know who they're gonna not activate but it's a good problem to have to try to get your best 53 out there um, come divisional time yeah Abdullah Anderson is the extra guy there on the practice squad and as we get into previewing the game itself and what's going to happen between the white lines on Saturday night we're talking about the Packers defense so let's just stick with that and you mentioned this is a physical team in San Francisco they run the ball really well and they've got one of the best players who's left in the playoffs in Debo Samuel who is a freak and he is the flavor of the week around the NFL this week. We had stuff mm-hmm. from Brett Coleman, who's a good YouTube film breakdown guy. He did a whole thing on how good Debo is. The Ringer wrote about how good Debo Samuel is. I believe the phrase they used is he's not a running back, he's not a wide receiver, he's a skeleton key, which is quite a reference. Shout out to the Mario Party fam out there. But the <laughs> Packers 
I mean, they're playing two, right? I mean, I don't want to go too full in. You're not giving us any respect, anything like that, because the numbers flesh it out. The Packers have not been especially good against the run this year, and we all know that. And you go back to games against other teams that run the ball really well. Say, for example, oh, I don't know, the Cleveland Browns on Christmas Day who were able to run the ball seemingly at will, and I still don't quite understand why the Browns threw the ball so much in that game, but whatever, Packers came away with a victory on Christmas Day, so we're not going to be upset about it, especially not retrospectively. But I'm curious how you think this defense is going to try to play San Francisco, because I don't think you can take a whole lot from the week three matchup between these two teams. Yeah, the Packers won. Yeah, that was kind of the get right game that we felt. Okay, this offense is starting to click a little bit. Rodgers looked truly like Rodgers for a whole game. Mason Crosby had the feel good game winning field goal. Defense came up with a couple of big plays when we were really doubting how much Joe Barry was going to do in a positive way for this defense. But this San Francisco team has, in a way, reinvented itself offensively ever since that point. So I think the running game is obviously the biggest concern, but that's the biggest concern no matter who the 49ers are playing against, right? I know it's, in theory, a good matchup for them against this Packers defense, but they're a tough matchup for anyone because Debo Samuel is a freak. He is awesome. He's one of the most fun players in the NFL to watch. They've also got Jimmy Garoppolo, who Mm -hmm. has a bad thumb on his throwing hand, and it's going to be freezing cold and windy. And just a couple weeks ago, I saw this man throw a ball while gripping it like he was going to throw a spiral, throw it forward about four yards end over end in the Week 18 game they played against the Rams. It was preposterous how that ball came out of his hand, cupped like a spiral, and went end over end. I don't understand it. And it's not like he's gotten any healthier. I mean, he's been playing on it. He's still not throwing the ball especially well. And we saw that in the wild card game. So as much as I feel like, yeah, San Francisco is a tough matchup given the Packers' defensive deficiencies, I also don't think it's quite fair to say, well, they just have to score 50 points because their defense won't be able to do anything. I don't know how fair that necessarily is. That's a great point that you bring up, though. It's like It doesn't matter if it was the Packers who have a, a poor run defense or I don't even know who's got really good run defense, honestly, at this point. I would guess the Rams are decent at but I could be completely wrong when it comes to efficiency. But the Rams, or excuse me, the Niners are a tough matchup, not only because of Debo Samuel, dude, but like we're hitting on it because it's like that's just their scheme, right? Like earlier in this year, they're plugging and playing whoever the hell they wanted. Like they got, they finally found someone, maybe an Eliza Mitchell that could be a guy, but like all of a sudden this next offseason, they'll bring in a couple new dudes. Like maybe most are running around the team. Maybe like Hasty will be gone too. Like it doesn't really matter who they plug and play there just because that zone running scheme is so damn effective. They have the personnel to do it. Trent Williams is healthy and you got. George Kittle and Kyle Juszczyk, who Juszczyk might be the biggest Swiss Army knife in all of football next to maybe Taysom Hill and maybe Debo Samuel on his own freaking team. Like, it's just it's tough to stop a team that can execute so well at the point of attack and be so physical up front um, and get to the edges. And that's that's where I think this game is really going to be really going to be determined. It's not so much up the middle. It's more of like when they get these guys in motion and Kyle got pretty freaking cute this last weekend i mean there's that that time when they motioned trent williams from the left side to the right side and it was the false start or the illegal procedure or whatever like that relax kyle okay like let's let's just let let trent like run to his left side so like i think there is an option to as long as they're protecting the edges and not let them run up the middle if they can run up the middle it's fine but once they get to the outside and you get 44 and 85 on the outside and they're got a full head of steam and they're looking down jair they're looking down a 
trailing outside linebacker or, or a nickelback, like that's that's when it gets dicey because Debo can snap one off, and so can Elijah Mitchell. He's pretty elusive too. So like that's that's my biggest fear is how they can contain him. But like you said, like they're gonna have to. Jimmy's gonna have to throw the ball at least once, right? He's gonna throw it a couple times. Like he had a buck seventy two last week and a pick. Like that's and that's indoors in a. Dallas's defense is pretty damn good. Trayvon Diggs probably slightly overrated just based off of the interception production this year, which is obviously historic at that and the way in comparison to the yards he gave up, whatever. Still a really good defense. They can get after the passer. So that affected it a little bit, but you you factor in the weather here, and now he's dealing with a shoulder, and he was just allegedly just dealing with the thumb last week. Like that's it it, it kind of does does remind you of that that Christmas game. Like you mentioned, a good running attack. I would say at this point, the the Niners probably have an extra body back there because at the time, Kareem Hunt wasn't available to go. A liability at quarterback, that was the first game back for Baker Mayfield, so you give him a little bit of break there, but that pass you referenced, really, really bad. So I, I think it's going to be a tough matchup for the Packers, but if they can stop the edges and hold it down there, like that's that's when they're going to be able to execute, and that's really what they didn't do against the Browns. They were not containing on the edge, letting Nick Chubb run forever he wanted. So if it comes into the, I mean, and, and but this also plays into the hand better of the Niners. If it's going to be some poor weather, it doesn't really matter who you have out there throwing the ball. Sometimes just it, it sucks. It can be really, really tough to get a grip, and all it takes is a pass rusher here or there that normally in in fair weather you'd be able to hang on to it, but slick conditions, the balls, you know, cold as hell from out there. It's tough to grasp it, and you never know what can happen. But I thought the Niners were the, one of the toughest outs in the NFC just because they play a completely different style than every team. Um, that started in the playoffs and they lo and behold they upset the Cowboys I don't know it's it's a it's a tough tough thing for the Packers to match up on this offense but I feel like they're 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 getting players back that they need to get back to to be able to slow them down Jair really honestly I don't even know how much he factors into this game like I I'm not too worried about any of their receivers at all I mean there's a couple dudes that are they're they're getting some catches here and there but I think honestly they could go without Jair if, if necessary if something were to come were to come up but like we mentioned earlier, his run support is huge. So he might have to put a shoulder down and be a little bit more physical than we they would probably even want to to uh, to get his first game back. And when you talk about setting the edge and containing and not allowing big things to break open outside the tackles, that is really where you run into the intrigue with the return of Z and Whitney Merciless. Yeah. Because like we talked about on last week's show, my expectation at the very least is those guys will be situational pass rushers. Like, third and ten, okay, you're probably throwing the ball, especially if you get into the second half. You're probably throwing the ball in that situation. Then I'm happy to say, Z, come on in. Merciless, come on in. Maybe we'll do some sort of overload on the side that doesn't feature Trent Williams because he is a stud at left tackle. He's really damn good on that side of the offensive line. But how much can those guys help you out and run support? I think that's a big question to ask, and it's nice to have Devondre Campbell back for this game. That is fantastic and Campbell the first team all pro which is awesome that's been a godsend so he's going to help out in that regard compared to what the Packers defense looked like in week 18 and a game that frankly didn't matter against the Lions but the last time we saw this defense and a game we saw them without Devondre Campbell so that puts a lot of pressure I think on Preston and on Rashawn Smith and Gary respectively to make some plays in run support in addition to getting after the quarterback so it's got to be all hands on deck and you mentioned Jair too and his ability to support the run I think that's going to be big in this game by the way before we transition I just had this pop back into my mind when you mentioned Kyle Juszczyk who is a real Swiss Army knife player I mean he can do everything I thought that Troy Aikman a couple weeks ago was going to have an episode in the booth 
when Juszczyk came out to hold for field goals and extra points. I seriously <laughs> thought Aikman was going to need a minute. And I like Troy better than I think a lot of people do. And I, I'm a big admitted Joe Buck fan. Bro, we get it, okay? The fullback can hold and maybe he can punt and he can catch ball. I get it. Just chill <laughs> for a minute. I promise we all know that Kyle Juszczyk is a good player. He just thought he was going to have to step out of the booth for a private moment there. And it wasn't like the – it was like it, – it would be one thing if like it, all of a sudden it just ran out there. But like was it Wisnowski? Like he, he couldn't hold. And they're like, I wonder who's – so like then he went out there and held it once. And then the second time he even was still like just losing his stuff. It's like, dude, relax. Like we – it's not like this was like all of a sudden like they just threw a wrinkle in there. Like it was like guy got hurt. Who's the next man up? Okay, oh, it's Kyle Juszczyk. No shit. Really good athlete. Great. But then even the second time, he was still losing his – he was just losing – he was going bananas. Like, yeah, it was it was bizarre. He's a good player. He's a cool player yeah. to have. But I'm also not super wowed that the fullback from Harvard knows how to hold for an extra point. I'm just yeah. not going to lose my mind over it. But apparently no. that's where Troy Aikman and I differ, aside from him also having a gold jacket and me not. But the point about Jimmy Garoppolo and the fact that he's – going to have to throw at some point and you look back to the 49ers playoff run two years ago when they made it to the Super Bowl and eventually lost to the Chiefs one of the big reasons why is because Jimmy Garoppolo had a wide open Emmanuel Sanders in the middle of the field in the fourth quarter missed a throw that would have won them the Super Bowl he hits Emmanuel Sanders on that throw the 49ers are your Super Bowl 54 champions not the Kansas City Chiefs and I know no game no Super Bowl no whatever is determined by one single play but you use the word liability, and that's true. I mean, Jimmy will make a decent thrower to a game. I remember once this past weekend against the Cowboys, he did have a really nice seam ball for about 15 yards. I believe it was left hash. It was a really nice throw, but those are few and far between. And you factor in the elements, and you factor in the bad shoulder and the bad hand, and things are generally working against him. And again, to reference that 2019 run, they won games where Jimmy G barely threw the ball at all. I think the Packers are way better than that team that the 49ers yeah. faced in 2019. I think this is a far better team. I don't think anyone would disagree with that. The ultimate way to me to make sure that their below average quarterback, their mediocre quarterback has to throw a lot, get out to an early lead. And I know that has been a bugaboo for this team for the majority of the year. I mean, you go back to week 17 and the Packers had a field goal on the first drive of the game. And all of a sudden, it was like we needed to have a ticker tape parade because they decided, hey, let's just force the ball to Devontae Adams down the field, get into field goal range, maybe score a touchdown. And it was huge because this team has stunk on opening drives and in first quarters for a large portion of the season. I am hopeful, and I believe I mentioned this on the show, I'm hopeful that there's something else in the playbook, in the scheme that LaFleur and Rodgers and Hackett and Getze and everybody who puts together the game plan that they've worked on to try to get something working early in the game. Because as much as we know the 49ers are going to run and they could be down by two scores and they're still going to run the ball. And we know that, but they will have to throw the ball more. If it is 14-0, we go to halftime, just as an example, and it's 17 to seven Packers, just a random score to throw out there. You're down two scores going into the second half. You have to throw the ball more. You're playing mm -hmm. from behind. You're going to have to wing it a little bit more. So I think to me, Matt, the biggest key for this offense in this game, score early and often. And I, often 
duh, you want to score the most points. Let's say you win football games. But I think a big start early, which again is an uphill climb because we haven't seen that for most of the season, is going to put that 49ers offense in a place they don't want to be. Kyle Shanahan doesn't want to trust Jimmy Garoppolo to throw the ball 35 times. But if the Packers can score quickly, Farron Rodgers gets hot early. Devontae Adams has a nice first half. You are going to see San Francisco have to throw the ball more. And I do think that might be your best recipe for success in this game. And that's kind of one of those, your offense is the best defense situations that you don't have to defend the run if Jimmy G is throwing the ball 35 times. So go play well offensively early, put them in an uncomfortable spot. Yeah, I stand everything you said. Um, and I'm just going to one other tidbit. You get up on an early lead. You let Aaron Jones, you let A.J. Dillon get the ball going in these this weather. You let the fans get absolutely going crazy when 28's blasting over a, a you know a smaller defensive back or a, or a linebacker for that matter. I mean that's gonna that'll get the people going. So like that's that is exactly what they need. Um, and even last week they were up. The Niners were up. I want to say two scores, and they were still throwing the damn ball at one point and kind of let the the Cowboys come back. So you put them in a hole and definitely gonna have to throw i mean there's just there's no question about it i mean there could be that situation similar to the browns game where the packers did get passive they allowed them to continue run the ball and they were getting chunk yards after chunk yards and slants wherever they wanted but like you said you you brought that up too i feel like throughout this year we've heard collectively if you piece it all together between hackett between matt lafleur and between rogers i feel like they've danced around the idea that there is there are some you know tools in the bag yet there's some stuff that they can there's as far as wrinkles they can still provide so i hope this is the time to unleash them let's hope that they're polished enough and you know not super aggressive plays that they have to worry about you know just wasting a down or wasting a a possession so um i do look that that could be a potential thing and um for lafleur to try to one-up his buddy kyle shanahan at some point during this game Let's get your predictions. This is a fun one. I think this is an incredible week of football on paper at the very least. I mean, you look in the NFC, you've got Packers 49ers with a ton of star power, specifically the soon-to-be back-to-back MVP and Aaron Rodgers, and two big fan bases. You've got Buccaneers-Rams, which is going to get a lot of hype because Tom Brady's playing, and the NFL really wants to make Los Angeles football thing. In the AFC, you've got Mahomes versus Allen, Chiefs-Bills. I mean, this is an unbelievable weekend, and this game is right up there with the best of the best of them. What's going to be the deciding factor, and what's the final score? As, well, as far as the other games, too, man, like, I honestly, as soon as the Monday night game got done, I'm like, Rams-Bucks is just an absolute monster of a matchup. Like, I am super pumped to see that those teams collide. As far as the Packers game right now, right now they're at they're favored by six points. I think it started at five and a half. I saw it somewhere else at six and a half earlier, but FanDuel's got it at six. I I feel like the Niners play the Packers so close in every game. And honestly, I kind of just like plus minus, I kind of almost throw it the window come playoff time because last week was, I mean, last week's different because there was, you know, those extra teams in some of those teams maybe didn't deserve to be in. It was just kind of a lopsided week. I think all these scores throughout the entire league should be tighter this week. Over under right now, 46 and a half. That's probably pretty damn good based in it's the, it's the smallest one at, at this point. Next being Cincinnati Bengals, which or Cincinnati and the Tennessee Titans at 47. So not much of a difference there. I, I think the weather's going to impact this game a lot. Maybe it's more of me just wanting it to and maybe the some of the meteorologists hoping that it's going to be a, a, a snowy game. I think the snow will subside by time the game has started. 
maybe the cold will creep in throughout the entire game and some of that moisture will impact the the ball and whatnot. I'm dancing on a prediction right now. Honestly, I have no idea. I'm going to say I'll go 23-21 Packers. That's that's what I'm going to run with. Um, I don't think I, – I think that – I just feel like the Niners play the Packers so close all the time, and the weather's going to impact it a little bit, and these run games are going to have to get going. I think that the only way this is obviously – I mean, duh. I don't even know if we've said his name enough in this entire episode, but the only way this game is – I don't want to say a blowout, but uh, the Packers – cover and then and then some maybe win by two scores is Aaron Rodgers I mean we haven't really talked about him balling out right like the presumable MVP back-to-back of the league like I think he has an opportunity to ball out I think this Niners defense is a little bit on the secondary not as good as it has been in the past obviously that front seven seven super dynamic assuming everyone's healthy but I think Rodgers could have a day in in Devante I mean you you give him Cobb back you give him MVS hopefully he can go Lazard it could be a hell of a game for Rodgers uh, for two weeks of prep, and you just hope that that's able to manifest itself and they get a win and go to the NFC Championship game and get to host the damn thing. It seems, based on what I've seen, like it's going to be maybe not windy, windy, but breezy enough, yeah. and wind does impact offenses and the ability to throw in the special teams game as well, which hopefully this does not come down to a Mason Crosby field goal because, frankly, I do not want that additional stress in my life. Mm-mm. But I think we should also mention here as we wrap things up, Packers have a pretty damn good run game too. You were talking about it earlier, the ability to get up early and then use Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon to both, A, impose your will on an opposing defense, but also, especially when we get to the second half, burn off some clock. Force the 49ers into a situation where you truly cannot run. You don't have an option to try to get the big run play and take that risk. You really have to chuck the ball around and play from behind. I think the Packers run game is going to play a big factor in this, and I hate to beat a dead horse, but I think the deciding factor is what I just mentioned a moment ago. I think the early part of this game, the first quarter, really the first 20 minutes or so. So we're looking at the first two or three drives for each team. I think it's going to play a massive role in this. If the 49ers got up big to that 17-7 hypothetical score I threw out, I do trust Aaron Rodgers to be able to move the ball, even with some gusty wind, move the ball down the field because these San Francisco corners aren't all that good. It's kind of amazing how bad the Dallas passing attack was this past weekend, honestly. Given the fact that Dak Prescott had a decent season, but San Francisco's defense, the secondary is the weakest part of it by far. It's weaker than the linebackers. It's weaker than the pass rush and the defensive line. So I actually do trust that Aaron Rodgers could pass their way down the field. But the more ideal scenario to me is don't get into a shootout, get a few scores early, make one stop, one punt and one forced field goal, I think, could be the difference in this game. If the defense can give you that, if the offense can score two ways anyway, touchdown, field goal, whatever, on the first two or three drives of the game, I think that might change this one. I'm going to take the Packers. I originally was going to give a higher score than this. I do think there will be some decent points in this game, and I do think the running backs are going to have big games for both sides, both Mitchell and Samuel for the 49ers, and obviously Dylan and Jones for the Packers. I will take Green Bay 28-24. I think... We're going to see some points, but I do think Green Bay in the complete opposite fashion of that would have been the 2013 playoffs when it was a close game. Then the Niners had a 16 hour drive to Mm -hmm. salt the clock away before Phil Dawson kicked the game winning field goal. I think the Packers are going to get a chance in this game to ice this one to let the running backs take care of business. 
I say the Packers come away with the win. I'll go 28-24. So we've both got a one-score difference and neither of us with the cover. But honestly, man, I think that makes sense. Like you said, these teams play each other very close. It is one of those situations where styles make fights, as they say. And you get Aaron Rodgers' arm and Devontae Adams versus a crappy secondary. And on the other side, you get a spotty run defense versus the most creative run team in the game. So I'm excited for it. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. And I also am going to feel super anxious if the game is ever in any doubt, just to be completely blunt about it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm couldn't be more real. I mean, I like Sunday night or Sunday football, but a Saturday night game is like, dude, win, lose or draw. It's going to be, it's going to be a wild night. Like I'm going to be boozing a little bit, like a victory. Like, we might crack into the second case of seltzers. We lose potentially. Like we're gonna be, we're gonna be getting, we're gonna, we're gonna probably just try to sleep the night away and not remember it the next day because it's. I always forget how losing a game, a playoff game, is just it hurts that much more because you wake up the next morning you're like, what am I, what am I even have to live for? Why do I want to watch the rest of these games? So, <laughs> um, Saturday night game is gonna be a hell of a time, and I'm assuming Green Bay is prepared for it. Well, I hope so. I know. I am somewhat prepared for it. Emotionally, not quite, but I'm going to grin and bear it. Hopefully, it's going to be a fun game. Hopefully, the Packers can win more easily than either of our score projections. We'll be living and dying with it on social media. You can follow both of us on Twitter. Matt is on Twitter at Matt underscore F-R-A underscore, getting bullied by his girlfriend about not watching Euphoria. I'm on Twitter as well at Brendan DZW. Matt, enjoy the weekend, and hopefully it's good news and a championship game preview edition of the show coming up next week. Hell yeah. I hope, hope you and I are breaking down whichever the other two teams are left and trying to figure out a way how the Packers can get to a Super Bowl. But yeah, hell of a game to start, and I've never watched Euphoria. Don't plan on it, and I'm going to win that poll, so that's, what's, that's all that matters. We will talk to you guys coming up next Friday, one way or the other. For Matt Fralick, I'm Brendan Dwarzynski. Enjoy the divisional round Packers versus 49ers, and we'll talk to you next week on the final dump presented by Game On Wisconsin. Well, Wayne, I think this is one that Vince Lombardi and George Hallis would be proud of. You could have given me the touchdown. That is hard to overturn, you know what I mean? I understand. That was a good effort, though. That was a pretty good effort. Thank you.